Cincinnati? You're talking about a team that hadn't lost regular season games since 2019, before the pandemic? Went to the college football playoff last year? Oh, yeah, it's cute. Well, them boys got dubbed on Saturday. Tired of hearing all that shit from Cincinnati fans talking about, oh, y'all bottom feeders of the SEC. Well, you know what, y'all? Are. In, your, in the last 25 games y'all played, y'all have lost to three SEC teams, Alabama, Georgia, and us. Now, what the hell does that tell you? Sorry about you. Well, Hall's got that dub on Saturday. Start out one and on the season with our first top twenty-five victory to start the season since I believe nineteen seventy-five. And man, it was a good feeling. We got tested early and we came through. Uh, yes, there's a lot of areas of improvement. There's also some good takeaways from Saturday. With that being said, welcome back to Views from the Hill, episode number trace. In this podcast, we provide nothing but information vital to the greatest collegiate athletic program in the country. Top two, not two. Y'all know it. I know it. We all know it. In this podcast, we preview and recap weekly matchups, provide recruiting updates, NIL news, and any updates on professional haulers across whatever sport it is you may follow. Celebration time's over, everyone. It's a new week, clean slate. We got to treat each week like it, like we're 0-0. Haulers got another test on Saturday. South Carolina comes to town. I believe this is the earliest that we've started a conference play since 2019 when we played Ole Miss and Oxford in week two under Clown Morris. Um, but, you know, we got a very hard schedule this year. This is another test for us. We have to win this game. This is a must win. How are the Hawks going to come out victorious? Well, I'll give you guys my view on it. All right, in this episode, we're going to be talking about a couple of different things. This first segment is a, is a spinoff I got from a good buddy of mine, Colin Cowherd, off the herd on Fox Sports. It's where Peyton was right, where Peyton was wrong on the weekend. So first, we're going to start out with the good, where Peyton was right. Uh, yeah, I was right. Hogs ran for two, 200 to 250 yards. I think we split that right down the middle at 224. We ran the ball very well on a on a Cincinnati defense. I honestly, I'll give them credit. They were a lot better than I thought. They were very, very physical. They were a lot bigger than I expected. Trey Betty talked about that in the walk and talk. He talked about when he was down the sideline, he said that Cincinnati team looked like a looked like a SEC team, you know, with their size and everything. But we were still able to still able to run the ball on them well. You know, Rocket led the way for us with 117 and a tutty on 20 carries. KJ ran for one score on 62 yards rushing and 18 carries. You know, unlike past times, I feel like Arkansas fans have, you know, just been nightmare ridden with the Hogs not being able to come through in the clutch. In, in, in Pinto quotes, hog gone hog. It's been different the past couple of years under Pittman. The, our offense was able to make plays when they needed to for us to win, able to move the chains. I uh, get points on the board when we needed. You know, we accumulated 447 yards total offense, but you know we showed a lot of poise in this game. We got a lot of veterans, you know, offensive line, receivers, quarterback, everybody, and that poise showed with our uh, experience. 
and you know KJ Rocket, Jaden Trey, you know other guys on the offensive line may plays when we need to to keep the chains moving, put points on the board, and because of that, we we're able to give our defense a lot of room to work with. You know, in last week's episode, I talked about how the transfer additions need to step up on the defensive side of the ball. And I know we got transfers on both sides of the ball, but we knew what we were getting with Jaden and Matt. And, you know, sure, you can say Warren Thompson's a transfer, uh, even though he's been here a year, but he came from Florida State. But we didn't know what Terry Hampton was going to be about. We didn't know what Landon Jackson or Jordan Dominant was going to be about. But those three on the defensive line, man, they helped us out a lot. They provided sparks that we needed it. All three of them had a sack and tackles for loss, which is pretty impressive. And Jordan Dominant had to play the game. I mean, I'll get to that later because I was kind of wrong about him. But um, at the same time, I was right about how we ran the football. I was right about how our offense was going to step up for us. And I was right about how I thought these transfers on the defensive line were going to make a difference for us. Now we're getting to what everyone loves to hear, where Peyton was wrong. Uh, my betting play of the week, I'm sorry. If anyone took Utah two and a half, I deeply apologize. I did not expect Florida to come out and Anthony Richardson and Florida to come out looking like that. I mean, I know it's first game of the year. It's September. It's early. You know, they could lose every game after this, but they look good on Saturday. I mean, it, it and all signs were pointing in a positive direction with Utah driving at the end of the game, down three, a touchdown covers, and they win the game. But, of course, Vegas knows, like I said last week, they always know something we don't. And views from the hill, betting plays falls to 0-1. Yes, where I was wrong again, our secondary. And I thought our corners and safeties were going to be a big part of this team. You know, a big plus, something we could lean on. And sure, you know, we, we still got a lot of experience there. And like I said earlier, it's game one. It's early in September. But, God, we gave up. I mean, Cincinnati receivers were running free on us, absolutely free. And, yes, Catalan got hurt and Slusher got hurt as well. But, I mean, I was hype on Jane Johnson. That dude forgot how to tackle on Saturday. And Latavius Brini forgot how to freaking cover somebody. At times, Brini looked like a, like he was playing for you know a life champs flag football team trying to cover somebody. But Jane Johnson channeled his inner, you know, I don't know if you all remember Josh Liddell. Jane Johnson looked a, a, a lot like him on Saturday with – just trying to Ed Reed people, like just trying to run through them with the shoulder. It's not going to work in the SEC. You got to, you got to wrap up, tackle with your head up. People are going to make you miss, make you look stupid, and you're just going to give up big plays that way. And I know Latavius Brini's new, but with Slusher and Catalan out, probably this week, Brini's got to step up at nickel or safety, and these mistakes have got to get fixed. And you know, while we had experience at cornerback. I never, I never once said that we were going to sit there and just strap up Cincy's wide receivers all game and lock them up. But regardless of their experience, they struggled. I mean, outside of McLaughlin's interception, we got burned a lot. I mean, Ben Bryant missed a lot of throws, thank the Lord. But our secondary got burned in general. Safeties played bad. Corners played bad. Who you want to put the blame on, that choice is yours. But all in all, cornerback play has got to step up for the most part. We can't get burned like that against Rattler. Rattler's t- more talented than Ben Bryant. And if we leave guys wide open like that, Rattler's going to torch us. And that's going to suck because I hate that guy. Oh, my God, I can't stand him. Last thing I was wrong on, I know I talked about him a little bit earlier, but Jordan Dominic, I wasn't really high on him last week because I hadn't heard a lot of good things out of camp. He was, 
up and down. And honestly, he didn't play a ton of snaps on Saturday. I didn't really see him until the fourth quarter. He's number 14, for those who don't know. But he stepped up, a bit, stepped up in a big way Saturday. I mean, the first possession of the fourth quarter, um, or Cincinnati's first possession of the fourth quarter, Jordan Dominic blew up the left tackle, um, pushed him all the way into the backfield, forcing the running back to have to cut back inside. And Zach Williams was able to come from the backside and make a play and make a tackle for loss. And then two plays later, we all know what happened, the strip sack. You know, he, he runs upfield, spins off the left tackle, hence Ben Bryant in the back, ball pops loose, he jumps on it. Two plays later, we score a touchdown. I mean, that was that was turning point in the game. I mean, that, that led our offense scoring their 31st point, and we wound up winning 31-24. That was huge. On top of that, you know, Jordan Dominic got named SEC Defensive Lineman of the Week. After touching on it a little bit, we'll go a little bit more in depth with it. And this is recapping the Cincy game. And me personally, I can't stand Hog fans sometimes because we are so freaking ungrateful and we don't realize how spoiled we are with things. I mean, we just we expect so much so quickly. We we just expect way too much, way too quickly. I mean, it's the first game of the year. It's not even to the second weekend of September yet, and we're already critiquing our team to a T. You know, asking for more and more. God, so freaking annoying. But for the love, folks, we just beat a top 25 team to start the season against a team that was in the college football playoff last year. They haven't lost a regular season game since 2019, since before the fucking pandemic. God, just everyone take a freaking chill pill. Since he also probably won't lose another game this season. I mean, we were able to wear down since Cincinnati on both sides of the ball. And this game was decided in the trenches, how we talked about. And, you know, we'll, we'll touch on both offense and defense, positive takeaways, areas for concern, things like that. But, so, you know, some of the positive takeaways we can start with on offense is that, you know, our offense can still improve. And we still put up 31 points and generated almost 450 yards total offense. It's pretty impressive. Another positive takeaway, how about Trey Knox, Mr. Petco himself? No one knew if that guy was on the team this time a year ago. And he just got lost in the wide receiver depth chart. Six catches, 75 yards, two tutties. How can you not like the guy? I mean, he stuck it out through so much. I mean, he stuck it out through two years of Chad Morris, or I guess a year and a half of Chad Morris, two years of Pittman, and he's a senior now. So I'm I'm so happy for Trey. He's put in work. He hasn't complained one bit. He's just put his head down, grinding, got to the point where he is today. He's going to be a pretty nasty tight end. I was listening to the Hog Pod with Bo Mattingly, and they just – uh, interviewed Trey Knox, and he talked about the only reason why he made the switch to tight end is that after the first game last season, you know, he wasn't getting to play, and he- heading into the Texas weekend, he walked up to Pittman and said, I want you, I want to see if I can move to tight end. And Pittman said, All right, well, you're working in there tomorrow. And the only reason why he did that is because in high school, his trainer and all of his teammates would tell him, You know what, Trey, you'd be a nasty tight end. And, man, I'm glad he made the switch and didn't transfer because he's going to be good for us. I mean, Browse hasn't had a tight end he can work with really since he's been here. I mean, he's had Kern for two years and Hudson Henry for two years. It's really been it, unless I'm missing someone off the top of my head. That's it. We haven't really had a prominent tight end that we can do things with. And now we got a, a guy who's played receiver his entire life, just put on 20 pounds. 
can now hop right into the mix at tight end like he did last year. I mean, he was already a good run blocker. He's got great hands. I mean, he's going to be a matchup nightmare. I mean, he's a, he's another weapon we can bring to the table. We can exploit mismatches with him. And as bad as I want A.J. Green to succeed, Rashad DeBinion looked good on Saturday. I don't know if anyone's seen Ivan Pace Jr.'s ankles, one of the linebackers for Cincy, or somewhere back at midfield. I, I think Buddy got on the bus without him because – I'm going to just call him Dub. Dub broke him off bad. I mean, he had a great run with that cutback, breaking Pace's ankles to get a first down late in the fourth. We like to get in the ball in space, and I like it. And we got a lot. I mean, we got four running backs we can play now. With Dominique coming back, Rocket, AJ, and Rashad, I love that. And that's a real competition now that we're going to see. That's 1A and 1B for the, for I guess, our scat back position at running back between A.J. Green and Rashad. So that'll be interesting to see, but it's cool that Rashad's already getting action as a true freshman. I'm excited for him. <clears throat> and then Malik Hornsby. I mean, I know he had one catch, and we were going to throw a pass with him, just like a typical Bryles game would go. We have momentum, and we're going to you know run a trick play, try to throw a wide receiver pass or something. But thank the Lord we didn't throw a pick like we have in years past. But Malik provided a spark off the bench. I mean, Cincinnati knew where he was at all times when he was in the game. His first possession in the game, he ran a wheel route, and if it hadn't been for Malik or KJ getting pressured, KJ was wide, or Malik was wide open, excuse me. But even that wide receiver pass we tried to throw with him, I mean, the sheer speed that guy has just getting away from two Cincinnati defenders and getting a first down, he's going to be good for us. He's a quarterback of the future, and... I still believe he's gonna he's gonna make some plays at receiver this year for us. I I still think my prediction for the season for Malik is he's gonna be one of the, one of the only hogs ever, maybe ever, to throw, catch, and run for a touchdown in a game. You know, but our our offense capitalized on turnovers and that's something we haven't been good at in the past. We turned Cincy over twice, both of them led to scores for us. But one thing that a lot of people aren't gonna talk about is how good our wide receivers are at blocking especially downfield. Keytron didn't have a target, but he had two huge blocks on that last Trey Knox touchdown. Everyone saw it. Um, Trey Knox caught a pass in the flats, went to the sideline, and Keytron put a block on it on the, the guy covering him, and it sprung Trey free. And on KJ's first run, first touchdown run of the day, the Hawks' first score of the season, Matt Landers pancaked, absolutely pancaked the cornerback in front of him. So along with our receivers being talented, being able to get open, catch the football, being big and rangy. They can also block, and I love it. And lastly, about the positive takeaways, you know, my good buddy Cole Daniel said it best. KJ's our X factor, and us Hog fans are spoiled with how great he's been. I mean, for how much he's getting critiqued, and I'm, I'll critique him a little bit, but, you know, he's not perfect, but he's really, really, really good. I mean, he didn't play his get best game, and he still counted for four tutties and – Almost 300 yards total running and passing. So, all right, let's jump into you know, some positive takeaways on the defensive side of the ball. And I think the question's been answered a little bit about the depth and the talent on our defensive line. That was a great offensive line unit we played against on Saturday. Yeah, their center went out for the season, but still, I mean, we generated some serious pressure. They threw the ball 45 times, I think. And, yeah, you know, they had 400 yards of offense, but we we did a lot more than I honestly expected, than I think all Hog fans expected. 
I mean, we had a pass rush, you know, that generated three to four sacks. And, you know, outside of the sacks, we were still hitting Ben Bryant around a little bit. They barely ran for over 100 yards. I mean, we were stuffing holes. And, I mean, I, I was really, really proud proud of, of the defensive line unit. And I think that's going to be huge for us this Saturday and something that we'll talk about more later on in this episode. But Lane and Jackson is going to be a dog. Terry Hampton, dog. Cam Ball, dog. Jordan Dominant, dog. Lane Jackson was hurt. I don't even know when he got here. He's been hurt for a while. Shows up Saturday, gets a sack. I mean, he's going to be solid for us. I mean, he's only a sophomore. He's 6'7", 275 pounds. Former five-star. We, we, I think we got a steal in the portal with him. Terry Hampton, 99. He was a beast in the middle. Kind of reminded me. He's our Ridgeway. I said it in last week's episode, but he's going to be our, he's going to be our Ridgeway in the middle. Jordan Dominate with the play of the day. We talked about it earlier. All three of those guys are going to see increased action. I think Terry played the most out of all of them, but they're all going to see more and more snaps as the season goes on. Cam Ball also played really well in the middle. And seeing how many guys we have on the defensive line unit makes me so excited for the things that Barry Oda can dial up with those guys. Another positive takeaway, Bumper Poole is named defensive player of the, SEC Defensive Player of the Week. Honestly, I don't really watch Bumper because I know he's good. He's not someone we really have to talk about a lot. All SEC last year, and a lot of surprise he even came back this year. But, you know, we can say what we want about the defense, but we got stops when they needed to. And the biggest stop of the day came when, you know, we had a we had a mishap on special teams, tried to run a kickoff out of, you know, about five yards deep in the end zone. We ran to about the eight, got tackled then fumbled a handoff, and they had the ball inside the 10-yard line, and we held them to a field goal. Yes, the crowd had something to do with it because I think they had two delay game penalties. But we held strong and forced them to a field goal, and that was a big turning point in the game. So now we'll jump into the areas of improvement. And so offensively, you know, KJ made good decisions for the most part on Saturday, but his accuracy is still a question mark at times. He's, he, he's an accurate thrower of the football, but he's he still has – a lot of inconsistencies. I mean, a slant route in the end zone, down in the south end zone, I believe, in the second half, that Warren Thompson was wide open on like a skinny on a skinny post towards the goal line, and he threw it about a foot behind him. And then we had Rocket Sanders on a swing route. He's wide open. He threw it at his feet. We had a third and short that he just grounded. We had a rollout at midfield, I believe, in the second quarter that K.J. threw about four yards short at Hazelwood. I mean, you you don't even allow your guys to make a play on the football when that happens. But then, you know, KJ will turn around and throw a great back shoulder route to Hazelwood on Hazelwood's first touchdown, which I love to see. That dude would just go up and get the football. He said it in a he said in a press conference, like, I don't know, it's just a God given thing that I can go up and get the football. Love that. But um yeah, I mean that's the one area improvement I have about the offense. You know Offensive line is going to always be consistent for us. You know, we'll see if they could stay healthy heading into SEC play. But defensively, who are we? I know we talked about it earlier, but our cornerbacks, when you when you run man-to-man press coverage, which first of all, that's the most man-to-man press coverage we've ever run under Barry Odom. I know we blitzed a lot, and I'm glad we did. Finally, nice to dial it up every now and then. But I don't know if we have the cornerback talent to go one-on-one 
Now, even McLaughlin was getting burned a lot. When, when you run man-to-man press coverage, the rule of thumb, it doesn't take a Division I athlete to know, the sideline is your friend when you're on defense. Force a receiver to the sideline. It's a harder throw for the quarterback. It's harder to make a catch if you're the receiver because you can't go out of bounds or else it's illegal touching. It's easier for you as a DB to make a play on. And Ladarius Bishop walks in the game. I don't know if he just woke up. Walks in, gives up inside position, 30-yard catch. Two plays later, gives up inside position, 35-yard touchdown. I mean, I don't know. Quarterback plays just got to get better. It only only way it can go from here is up. You know, with injuries to Catalan, a slusher, whatever those may be, we're not going to have them this week. Latavius, Simeon Blair, Trent Gordon, Kari Johnson's even running the nickel position. They all got to step up and just don't get beat deep. Don't give up big plays and we'll be okay. Just wrap up and make tackles. Um, you know, the pass rush is what I expected on Saturday. Did play a really good offensive line, passed the test. But it could still improve. It's still early, early in the season. But I'm most happy about our defensive line when it comes to the defense side of the ball. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event of the evening. And now it's time! All right, next we're going to jump into the views from the Hill SEC rankings. Might as well call them the, the Hill hierarchy. You know, kind of like the herd hierarchy. Oh, well. Anyway. SEC was 13-1 on the weekend, and the only team that found a way to screw up an undefeated record was L.S. Poo and their joke of a coach, Brian Kelly. But I don't care. They can suck all they want to. Louisiana's going to chew Brian up and spit him out. But my SEC rankings after week one, Georgia, Bama, Arkansas, Florida, Tennessee, Mississippi State, A&M, Kentucky, Ole Miss, Auburn, South Carolina, Mizzou, Vandy, and L.S. Poo. Georgia whooped the absolute dog shit out of Oregon. I mean, Oregon flew across four time zones to kick a field goal. That's bad. And Bo Nix has played them like three times. Bama was Bama. Arkansas got the dub. Florida surprised a lot of people. Of course, they, you know, they're unranked against Utah. Beat the seventh best team in the country. They get ranked ahead of Arkansas at 12 in the latest AP poll. Arkansas... You know, probably say we were unranked, and since he was like the 10th best team in the country, we beat him at home, we'd still be unranked. Just ridiculous. They, oh, don't even get me started. Tennessee was solid W over Ball State. They got a test coming up in, I believe, Pitt this week. That'll be a good game. Mississippi State, didn't watch much of that one, but they look good from what I could tell stat-wise. They play at Arizona this week. That'll be interesting. A&M looked a little suspect. Um, Haynes Keene and Max Johnson, there was a little back and forth between them. I think that started with Haynes Keene, went into like a year-long lightning delay, came back out with Max Johnson, and then finished with Haynes King. Talking to one of my A&M buddies, he said, you know, I have hopes for the season every year, but then two drives in to the same Houston State game, my dreams were shattered. thought that was pretty funny. Kentucky, screw them. Ole Miss, I mean, only generating 28 points on Troy, oof. They got a quarterback quarterback battle down there that I don't think is close to being solved yet. 
Auburn, Harson's canceled. You know, I, I'm not even going to talk about them. South Carolina, we'll get into them later. Mizzou, hammer Kansas State this week. If, if Louisiana Tech had a quarterback, they would have beat Mizzou. I want to put them last so bad, but because they won, they're ahead of Vandy. I know Vandy's 2-0. I know they're two and zero, and you know, the, you know, Vandy might be kind of nice, but they play Wake Forest this week. Who knows? I think we'll see Wake Forest run all over Vandy, but I don't know. They're two and zero, but they're better than LSU. I mean, good award. LSU f- had that game in the bag and found a way to screw it up. I mean, how do you not? Get, how do you only throw the ball to Keyshawn Butte four times, and then Brian Kelly's going to show up to the press conference? Ask everyone why they're late. Get absolutely bodied by a reporter. I'm sure you've all seen the press conference. And then he's going to say, oh, it's not about winning. Well, hell yeah, it is. Of course it's about winning. If, if you were to beat Florida State, no one would have been like, oh, maybe if you win, I'll get here on time. Duh. Dude's an idiot. But they're paying him $10 million a year after paying Ed O $17 million to leave. They're kind of stuck with him, even if he sucks. I'm not mad about it. Brian Kelly's a good coach, sure. He was able to win at Notre Dame for a long time. But this is the South, and you're in Louisiana. Nine and three don't cut it there. They will chew you up and spit you the hell out so fast. I mean, Ed Orgeron embodies LSU. Won a national championship with them, and two years later, he is gonzo. So that rounds out the views from the Hill hierarchy in terms of SEC teams after week one. Next, we're going to get into the South Carolina preview. After the preview, we'll talk about our pivotal matchups for Saturday's game. You know, South Carolina won their first game of the season over Georgia State, 35-14. to Spencer Rattler wasn't to thank for much of it. They were losing 14-12 to at one point in the, in the second half. I believe it was in, in the third quarter. But Georgia State had two punts blocked by South Carolina, and South Carolina ran them both back for touchdowns. And that allowed them to pull ahead and get the W, ultimately. Yes, I believe Cincinnati's better than South Carolina, but... This is the SEC. Speed, size, talent, athleticism, anything, you name it, it's better than the SEC. And South Carolina's offense only totaled 306 yards of total offense against Georgia, against Georgia State, excuse me. And they only scored two offensive touchdowns, which I, and I believe both of them came in the first half. Rattler's 23 of 37 for 227 yards, one tutty, two INTs. He was also sacked three times. They only ran the ball for 79 yards. The three guys that I was able to, you know, to really see that did anything for him in game one was Marshawn Lloyd, the running back, Jaheim Bell, and Juju McDowell, and Jalen Brooks. So Marshawn Lloyd's a running back. Like I said, Jaheim Bell is kind of their do-it-all guy. He led their team in carries, but he's listed as a tight end, also plays wide receiver, got an NFL body, looks to be the part, very mobile. Um Marshawn Lloyd did score both of South Carolina's offensive touchdowns. He caught one. He also ran for one. Jalen Brooks and Jaheim Bell and Antoine Wells and Austin Stogner are going to be their main receiving threats on Saturday. Brooks led South Carolina with 88 yards receiving, and Wells Jr. was second behind him, I believe, with seven, 70 yards receiving on seven, on seven catches. However, Jay or Marshawn Lloyd and Jaheim Bell is who I'm worried most about. You know, they use Lloyd as a wide receiver out of the backfield, kind of line him up in the slot. But the longer the season goes on, I believe Austin Stogner, the OU transfer that came with Rattler, who Jane Hazelwood is former teammates with, they're going to get him in the mix more receiving-wise. 
you know, maybe against Arkansas, but definitely the longer the season goes, the more they'll look to implementing. Now, for their defense, I don't know a whole lot about their defense because they don't show a whole lot of that in highlights. I know they don't defend the run well at all, which is great for us. I mean, Georgia State ran for 200 yards on them and was able to get up and down the field on them, honestly, when they wanted to. Georgia, Georgia State doesn't throw the ball much, so I don't really know what their pass defense is like. However, they are experienced in the secondary. they got three seniors and one junior. They also picked off a pass on Saturday. All right, pivotal matchups for Saturday. Last week it was a defensive line. This week it's a secondary, period. Got to step up. Got to play better from last week. You know, slush is hurt. Cat's hurt. We, we got to cover better. We got to tackle better. We just all around as a secondary unit have to play better because our top two defensive backs probably won't be playing. And even though I like to harp on Spencer Rattler, dude's talented. He's much more talented than Ben Bryant. Rattler will probably get drafted at some point. Hell, he might even play on Sundays. He didn't transfer into the SEC if he didn't think he could su- succeed in it. Now, if our, if our defensive backs get beat like they did Saturday, Rattler's going to torch us. He's not going to miss the throws that Ben Bryant did. You know, I don't think we'll see as much man-to-man on Saturday because of how much we got beat. I think we're going to see a lot of zone, like a pick, pick event zone coverage that we like to run that we ran against A&M. And if we do run man-to-man, please, for the love of good and everything holy, we cannot give up inside positions to wide receivers or else it's going to be an easy six for South Carolina. You know, Jaheim Bell, Jalen Brooks, Marshawn Woods, some of the guys I talked about earlier, these are three guys that South Carolina is going to try to get the ball to as much as they can in space, trying to make things happen. Jalen Brooks is their vertical threat. At I believe on the first possession of the game for South Carolina, Rattler rolled out right through about a 30- to 40-yard deep ball to Brooks, and he just went up and got it over a Georgia State defender. And, you know, Jaheim Bell's their do-it-all guy. He led their team in carries. He's He'll line up a tight end, wide receiver. They like to throw fades to him. Our secondary just got to limit big plays. Limit big plays, wrap up, don't commit stupid penalties, and this should be an easy win for the Racebacks. Next pivotal matchup is our defensive line. I know I gave them a lot of praise last week, and they kind of answered a lot of the questions and concern on about how good they really were. But the South Carolina team does not have the defensive line that Cincy does. And our D-line can really take some pressure off, off of our defensive backs if we're able to get some pressure on Rattler throughout the game. You know, majority of Rattler's interceptions and fumbles in his career have come when he's been pushed outside the pocket. He's frantic. You know, he'll, he'll try to force throws, and that doesn't work in this league. Can't force throws in the SEC unless you're freaking Bryce Young. Even then, you still can't force him. You know, even when Rattler tucks it and runs, he's very, very careless with the ball, holds it way out on the side, doesn't tuck it high and tight. So if we push him outside the pocket, I think we'll be able to force some turnovers on him. You know, With that being said, I still think we're going to run a lot of four-down linemen. And with, you know, we'll probably see Zach Williams, Deshaun Stewart, or Landon Jackson, and Terry Hampton, and then probably Eric Gregor will be the four-down lineman. If that's what we start with in the four-two-five, that's more of our, I think, zone blanket scheme because we'll be able to drop it maybe seven so you know the defensive line answered some questions and a lot of concerns about how good they were against a really good Cincinnati offensive line unit in order for us to really know if we got a true defensive line unit on our hands at Arkansas 
they're going to have to keep up the momentum and probably even do better against South Carolina to really show everyone that you know we have a solid defensive line unit on our hands. And if they do, it's going to make life easier on on our defensive backs. And Lord knows we need it. So, all right. Lastly, with the pivotal matchups, we got special teams. Anyone know what the hell happened to Reed Bauer? When the brother was up for a preseason award at punter, there's nowhere to be found. There's an APB out for him, as Stephen A. Smith would say. All jokes aside, I know it's his first game, but Max Fletcher's got to, got to punt the ball farther than 35 yards. He's got to be able to pin South Carolina deep in their own territory and make things hard for him. Now, Cincinnati got the ball numerous times around midfield, a great field position. Our defense immediately had their backs against the wall. Now, South Carolina also blocked two punts on Saturday and returned them both for touchdowns. So I'm expecting the Hawks to go max protection whenever a punt team trots out there, and I, I hope we do because they'll probably want to come after it, block a punt. South Carolina converted a fake field goal last year, so we just can't we can't let South Carolina catch us sleeping on special teams. We can't be having any stupid decisions on kickoff return where we try to take a ball eight yards out of the end zone, and we got to cut all that out. It's better just to take the touchback, honestly. Just don't even catch the daggum ball on a kickoff return. Just let it go out the back of the end zone so we can avoid stupid decisions. Now, all in all, it's the South Carolina's first road game and conference matchup this season, and it's Spencer Rattler's first true road test in his entire career. They're going to try to take the crowd out of it pretty quickly, and so I'm expecting them to take some shots early. I know that the Hawks play better with the lead. I know most teams do, but our offense isn't really built to just spark up a ton of points super fast and you know, we can't go down like 17 points and try to call our way back. That's just not how we are. The crowd's going to be there Saturday. It's going to be electric. And because of Rattler's lack of experience on the road, I think that's going to be hard for him. I think we'll be able to rattle Rattler and how he called himself the cock commander. Good Lord. Our offense is going to be able to do what they want to in South Carolina. We're going to be able to run the ball. You know, last last week I pred- predicted we'd run – about 200, 250 yards against Cincy. I'm predicting 250 to 300 against South Carolina. You can take that one to the bank. I also think we'll throw for another 200 as well. They're not going to be able to stop us offensively. You know, the question is, though, can we stop the Gamecocks? Being able to stop them offensively, limit big plays, make Rattler uncomfortable, just wrap up, make the simple play, make the simple tackle, not commit stupid penalties, and no breakdown on special teams. I think we'll walk away with the easy victory on Saturday. Alrighty, SEC matchups to watch this weekend. Bama at Texas. Bama going to blow them out. I think it's hysterical that it's at 11 a.m. game two. Texas fans can just suck it. Also, reports coming out now about Texas players admitting they're going to get blown out on Saturday. Way to go, Stark. You got the freaking Sark, however the hell you say your name. Culture's really thriving down there. South Carolina at Arkansas, don't need to talk about that anymore. Wake Forest at Vandy. Probably hammer the Deacons, nine and a half. Mizzou at Kansas State. For the love of God, Kansas State, please beat the brakes off of Mizzou. App State at A&M is tempting. App State is 17-point dogs. And I don't know if any of y'all kept up with the UNC-App State game on Saturday. They final score was 63-61, North Carolina. But, I mean, the score was 41-21 going to the fourth quarter. I mean, they, 60 points between the two teams were scored in the fourth quarter. App State can put up points. We'll see what they do against A&M. A&M plays Miami next week. And then 
I believe, yeah, they play us the week after that. So this could be a trap game. I don't know. Tennessee at Pitt. I like Tennessee in that one. Sanford at Georgia. They might as well not even play a game. Georgia's going to win by 100. Kentucky at Florida is interesting. It's the only other conference play game going on outside of Arkansas and South Carolina. Uh, I think I'll probably take Florida in that one. That might be a play of the weekend. Who knows? UCA at Ole Miss. Shout out John David White. Go make a play, big dog. San Jose State at Auburn. Who cares? Southeastern at LSU. If Cole Kelly was at Southeastern, I would put the mortgage on Steamboat to cover at LSU. That boy would work Brian Kelly and the Tigers. Lastly is Mississippi State at Arizona. I see Mississippi State covering in that one. Probably not a lot of defense play in that. But the main question I have is how in the hell is LSU for Southeastern, Auburn for San Jose State, and UCA versus Ole Miss the night games when Arkansas and South Carolina play? What the hell is that shit about? If anything, make the Missouri, Missouri State game next week an 11 a.m. game and flex this one to a 6.30 night game. That would be electric. That would be electric. All right, after going over those games, Peyton's play of the weekend. You know, we start the season on one. We're back at it. I got three plays for you this week. You could even parlay it if you want to. Mississippi State's covering minus 10 at Arizona. Florida buried me last week. I'm riding with them this week. They're covering four and a half. It's going to happen. I mean, they made me pay last week. I don't know. Vegas seems to know stuff that we don't, though, but I'm rolling with four and a half. Florida's covering against Kentucky. Lastly, as much as I hate Tennessee, I got them covering minus seven. I think they're, honestly, the line should be a little bit more. I know the game's at Pitt, which makes it interesting, but Tennessee's going to win that one. Appalachian State's tempting, but we're staying away from it. That wraps up this week's episode. just want to thank you guys for all the love and support you've given this podcast. It's made this journey a lot of fun. This is a must-win game for the Hawks Saturday, an absolute must-win. If we want the hype going into A&M and Bama, this game's we, – we got to get the job done. Have to get the W Saturday any, any way we can. Just find a way. We found a way on Saturday. I think we'll be able to find a way again. NFL football is coming up this this weekend. At SEC betting, might have some bonus plays on the weekend. There's going to be some former Razorbacks playing on Saturday. Just saw Deatrick Wise, or on Sunday, excuse me. I just saw Deatrick Wise was named a captain for the New England Patriots. It's pretty cool to think about. But all in all, thanks to everyone for tuning in this week's episode. And I'll see you all next week, hopefully, when the Hogs are 2-0.